Mac Power Users, Episode 152, Back to School. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Katie. How are you? I'm doing great, and I understand you're getting ready to go back to school. I'm actually going back to vacation. Oh, uh, since, is that what we're doing? As soon as I hang doing? up the mic here, I'm going to go pack my bags, and I'm heading out tomorrow. I cannot wait. Cannot yeah. wait. But a lot of people are getting ready to go back to school. Maybe you're not. But Yeah, but there are people in this household who are. So you're getting ready to go on vacation, and your poor kids are getting ready to go back to school. Yeah, that's the way it should be. Okay. So we've never done um, a Mac Power Users episode. We've done a couple of education-focused episodes. We did the one with Fraser Spears. We've had workflow guests who have, uh, especially in show 150 and show 100, who have talked about education workflows. And I really like that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, maybe we need to find more teachers and educators and students and and do dedicated workflow shows. But I, I didn't want to miss this back-to-school opportunity to talk about some of the tools and some of the gear both on Mac and iOS, because I am seeing more and more, just saw it last night when I was in Best Buy, college students taking Macs and iOS gear to college. Yeah, it's it's really great. I wish these tools existed. One of the common themes on this show is we find something neat that we use in our in our day jobs. And I make the comment, man, I really wish I had this back in college. And yeah, you can always go back to school. My wife just did. She's going back to school now. Oh, so. okay. So we can talk about that a little bit, but it's it's really great. I think savvy high schoolers and college students are a great audience for the show, or people who know savvy high schoolers and college students. And it's time to look at what are the best tools for you know getting back to school. Okay. So let's start with the gear. Let's talk with the gear. And so the first thing you've got to have is you've got to have a good bag because it all falls apart because. If you're in high school, I guess you have lockers, but there are no lockers in college. And at least at the college that I went to, if you drove to school, you weren't running back and forth to your car back and forth because your car may be a mile and a half away from where your class is because parking was, was such a pain. So, you know, it's kind of this juggle of, you know, getting everything that you need to, for the day and at the same time not kidding yourself. And now you've got to have bags that, that work for all of your tech gear as well. And I just got a new backpack that I am in love with and wish I'd had when I was in school. Cause a lot of times I end up carrying a backpack and a laptop bag. And the one that I've got that I like right now is the Tom Ben Synapse. And I've got the 19, the Synapse 19, which is a little bit smaller model. It's still plenty big for me cause I'm not a student and it will fit. Um, I, you know, can easily fit in my Mac, my iPad and, you know, some other stuff. Usually I'll put like gym clothes so I can even fit, you know, shoes and a full change of clothes and, a water bottle and all that stuff in there. But they also have a slightly larger version or a good bit larger version. They have the Synapse 25, which is a good bit bigger, which would probably be a better pick for a college student because they've they've got lots of books and all that stuff that I don't carry around anymore. But maybe they don't have books. Maybe maybe it's all digital now. I think a, a lot of college students that I see still still carry books. I don't think it's quite as digital as people would like us to believe it is. When I was in college, I was way too cool for a backpack. That's what I used in high school or maybe junior high. But at some point, I started carrying a sling. Like a messenger and, bag? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I guess you'd call it a messenger bag. And, you know, my I was, you know, I was 18, 20. I could do it. No problem. Now, like, my shoulders get sore when I do that. Now I want a backpack. 
But uh, uh, what about the theory of the beater bag? I mean, that's something that you often hear people talk about. They say, hey, if you're going to go to school or you're going to go somewhere with a fancy Mac and iPad in your bag, you're better off to have a really trashy looking bag, you know, makes you look more like a homeless person than a student. And then people won't be uh, likely to steal it. They're going to go after the fancy bags. You know, I know that's kind of like this myth. I'm not sure it's true anymore because everybody has such different bags. I just don't know that it really makes a difference. What do you think about that? I think on a college campus these days, I think just about everybody is has got a laptop or some other kind of electronic device in it. I know in when I was in law school, which was now growing on 10 years ago or more now, oof, oof. Um, Laptops wow, were you a sound requirement. like that was painful. I know. When did I get old? Um, laptops were a requirement. And so everybody had laptops. They were much bigger laptops than they are now. That makes me feel less old. Katie, I just think that you were like, don't you, like when you were a kid, you like worried about stuff, right? Oh, I st- yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was I was a big warrior, big, big rule follower. Like you're just the, you like were like born mature. I'm pretty yeah. sure. <laughs> But I never let my backpack or my, my laptop get out of my sight. So, yeah. Mm. Not me, man. I was like, I would literally run into walls when I was a kid mm. on I, purpose. I did have the same back. I, I always had, you know, not high end as in fancy, but, but high quality bags. I mean, I think I had the same backpack throughout four years of high school and four years, first four years of college. I didn't get a new bag until later. Well, in my day, wearing a backpack at, at college, you were you just marked yourself. I, I don't know if that's true anymore. I'd, I'd be curious to see what the current trends are. And and you do make a good point as things become more paperless, uh, all the stuff may, may become kind of irrelevant. Yeah. Well, um, you need more than a bag when you get to school. You also need to become, you know, a big boy or a big girl and manage your data backup. Yeah, because a lot of. I can't tell you how many we have a lot of law clerks in our office who are college students and how many of them I have sent to our tech support guys that do tech support for our office, kind of, you know, laptop in hand and, and head held down because something bad happened and they did not have a backup. And they're like, please, sir, can you please do something and make this better? And they're like, Ooh, I don't know. So I think college students need to have a couple of, of, even high school students too, but a couple of backup methods. I think really everybody needs to carry around a small portable flash drive because despite all of this cloud stuff that we've got and uh, Wi-Fi everywhere, sneaker net still can't be beat. And sometimes you've got to share files back and forth with someone. Sometimes you still got to get stuff everywhere. I have started carrying a uh, a, key, a flash drive on my keychain. Yeah. Got that little tough and tiny. And I use it not every day, but several times a month, I would say, to get a quick file from here to there. It's just... You can't beat it. It's always going to be there and it's always reliable and you can, you know, throw it in and get a file from here to there. I can't get over how little that tough and tiny drive is. Oh, yeah. it's smaller than a penny, I think. Uh, definitely. And lighter than yeah. a penny. Yeah. Um, the, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so do you format it with, with both FAT32 and an Apple format? I mean, how do you format your tough and tiny drive? I um I dual format it, and I'm about to, I think, triple format it, because I think the third thing I want to put on there is I want to put a recovery, not a recovery, you know how you can create a lion recovery or a mountain lion recovery partition? Yeah. I think I want to do that and put a third one on there, because it's big enough I can. 
But I do. I actually did a post on this on my blog. Um, I dual format it with both a PC and a Mac partition. The PC partition is pretty small. I think it's only about two gigs or so because it's just usually enough to transfer a file here or there. And then most yeah. of the rest is a Mac partition. And then I'm about to repartition it probably this weekend and um, throw a recovery partition on there. Okay. So if you want to go even crazier, this is kind of beyond the, the back to school topic, but if you get one of these tough and tinies or some type of small USB drive and you have a format, you know, you have different formats on it or well, regardless of what format you have on it really. But if you've got the, um, the OS 10 journal format on it, I would recommend building an encrypted partition in there. You know, you can build oh, heck in, yeah. and then, and then you can copy in some of your really important data and, I don't know if I'll ever need that, but you know, some of our most important records are on my keychain and fully encrypted. So, you know, if, you know, if the aliens, you know, really do attack one day and start blowing stuff up, I got my USB drive with me. I'm ready. Well, here's I can still here's access the, my, you know, I had, key. I had trouble and I don't know if this was a bug or if this is a, a genuine limitation. I couldn't, I found that when I dual partition the drive and had a fat 32 partition and had a, a Mac partition that I could not partition it um, encrypted. It had to be just journaled. I, it would not give me the option to do an encrypted partition. No, I don't know no. if you've been able to do it. So no, I just I did, instead created a secure disk image. Is exactly. that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So you just create a, a secure disk image on your Mac. I think I even explained how to do this in the paper. I know you book. did it in the paperless book. Yeah. Yeah. So you can so you can make a secure disk image. There's a thing built into OS 10 that allows you to make a secure like folder that you can drop a bunch of stuff in. You push a button and it locks it up tight. So you create that on your Mac with your key records, and this makes sense for a student too. You'd want to have this stuff on you, and then you just drop it onto that little key drive. But you can put it anywhere. You can put it up on Dropbox and put it in multiple places. But it's really nice knowing that you know if things get real, you know you can get access to those secret records right yeah. away. And so can we go for the triple triple score here? Yeah. Well, I think I talked about this briefly on our keyboard maestro show, but I set up a keyboard maestro macro, keyboard maestro macro. Yeah, that's right. That, yeah, that sounds great. That when I've started KMM, using I've sure. start using keyboard maestro so much more since that show. I mean, I've got it on all my Macs now. But I've started um I set up a keyboard maestro macro that whenever I plug that USB drive in, because, you know, you can set it up to do things based on when a certain volume is mounted or, or unmounted, yeah. that it will cop, it will launch that disk image, mount that disk image, and then update the copy of my, I, put, I keep my one password um, secure, you know, keychain in there. Yeah. And it will update it. So it will mount the disk image, copy over whatever the current version of my one password keychain is over there, re-close up that disk image and, and you know, be done with That's it. I think what I great use. I think what I might do instead to to modify that a little bit is I might just create that secure disk image and leave that disk image on my Dropbox and then have like a recurring task in OmniFocus to update it or something. I don't know. And then just well, have it copy that secure disk image over so I can keep I was, that disk image with other stuff. Yeah, that's what I was about to say is if you've got the secure disk image on your Mac or Dropbox, which is in essence on your Mac, you could set up a rule to to automatically uh, you know, put that onto the key every time you put it in. I think you should write that up at katiefloyd.me. I'm uh, creating an OmniFocus task right now to do that. Yeah, because you got some great content lately, Katie. I'm really, uh, really enjoying your blog. Thank okay, you. so enough uh, uh, talking about that. Um, what about offsite backup services if you're a college student? 
I think an offsite backup service is is really a requirement for a college student because I don't mean to stereotype or or put down college students or anything, but you guys are gals are busy and uh, you don't always have the ability to plug. You know, you're always on the go. Sometimes you're max in your apartment or your dorm room or here or there or on campus or wherever it might be. But Wi-Fi is pretty good in the dorms or in your apartments or in your classrooms. And an offsite backup service is really going to make sure that your your data is backed up and you just set it and forget it and you don't have to think about plugging in a hard drive. I use CrashPlan. I know, David, you use Black Backblaze. And I like either or both of those services as, as offsite dedicated backups. There's always the Dropbox option, too. I am getting crazy upload speeds with Backblaze. My my upload speeds are so fast, Katie, that my I got a note from my cable provider saying that I've been transferring too much data this month. <laughs> Are they cutting you off or throttling you or no, they're not. Cause you know, I have a good plan and they said, no, it's okay. We just want you to be aware of it. You know, in the future at some point we might, you know, you know, do something about this. And I think they may have throttled me a little bit, but I actually turned down Backblaze, So it doesn't go as much. And, uh, but you know, I've just got, I'm, I'm updating 1.5 terabytes. So it's just going to take a while. Yeah. So I would suggest that you you go with an offsite solution like CrashPlan or Black Backblaze, in addition to kind of using the Dropbox trick. You know, you can get a free Dropbox account, and then I think if you have an EDU address, they still have the promotion where you can get a little extra credit um, for an EDU address if you have a Dropbox account. And go ahead and just make your Dropbox folder your Documents folder, or create yes. a create a Documents folder on your Dropbox folder, and that's where you save stuff. I mean. People will debate about whether Dropbox truly is a backup, and uh, you know it's it not. is. It it's is not. a method of a method of backup, but it is not designed to be specifically a backup. And go ahead and send your emails. It's not a it's not a backup, but it has saved you know the butt of several of our listeners because we've got the emails from people talking about having something go terribly wrong on their computer and their dissertation getting wiped out, except it was on Dropbox. So. So please do that. You know, I think it's not really students. It's just anybody who is mobile centric. If you were working off laptops and, you know, iPads and iPhones and you don't really have a, a main home station with a, a desktop iMac and all the pieces attached to it, backup is not easy. So having an offsite or even, you know, a, a time capsule or, or something that automates that process for you is really helpful. Yeah. And then I do recommend go ahead and grab a, a portable hard drive or, you know, even a 3.5 inch hard drive. They are so cheap, you know, maybe either whether you want to do time machine or whether you want to do a clone time machines free, um, super duper is free. If all you want to do is clone, but you can't do the smart updates or things like that. I would go ahead and get an external hard drive that you can, you know, every now and then at least preferably more regularly do another method of backup too. But, you know, just one tip, make sure you encrypt your backup hard drives, too, especially if you're leaving these things in shared apartments or dorms or or who knows where you're leaving them, because that's got all your stuff on it. It's also useful if you're sharing really large files with other people in your dorm. Yeah, I'll tell you, I am. Um, I had a time. I, I don't know if I should admit this or maybe I can admit it as a as a as a learning experience for everybody. I had a time machine saved my bacon moment this week. Oh, really? How? Yeah. Um, You know, I took like 700-something photos of uh, when we were in Alaska, or I don't know, I think we took like 1,300 and we got them down to 700. And I was in iPhoto, and this must be what happened, but I had all of these photos 
I had, you know, you can create a folder with albums in iPhoto. Yeah. And one of my albums is entitled family or one of my folders is entitled family. And inside the family folder, I have albums of, you know, a couple dozen different family events, including our Alaska photos. And so I was in iPhoto doing a bunch of editing and I w- mainly what I was doing was deleting, you know, just delete, 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 delete. How many photos of half whale fins do you need really? And I must have at some point been clicked on that out al- that folder and clicked delete because I quit iPhoto and then two or three days later, I went back to go continue editing my photos. Gone. Now, the photos wow. were still in the library, I'm sure, but they were now no longer organized. I mean, like two dozen albums were gone. And I had missed it for, you know, several days. So by this time, my carbon copy cloner backup had already run and, you know, I'd already missed this stuff. So I was able to go back in Time Machine. I guess I could have gone back in Crash Plan too because they keep backups, but I was able to go back in Time Machine and restore my iPhoto library from the weekend and get all those those albums back. I don't use iPhoto regularly, but I thought when you delete a photo in iPhoto, it doesn't go away. Uh, it, there's actually a separate empty trash command in iPhoto. Is that still the case? Yeah, but here's the thing is I don't think I actually deleted the photos. What I, I did just, is I deleted the albums, okay. but I had deleted a folder of albums. So wow, that, that's scary. Yeah. So the photos were still there. I mean, worst case scenario, the photos, the folders were still there. But, you know, I had spent a good bit of time organizing over the years all of these photos. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you had it backed up, Katie. It would would have been a really fun discussion if you hadn't. No, it would not have been a fun discussion. No. It it would have been a a learning moment for all of our listeners. There's a learning moment for me, so now you can learn. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, go if you're going to school, get yourself a good backup system. You know, that's another thing. You, you got to take personal responsibility, right? Probably I sound like such a parent right now, but yeah. get get that stuff backed up. The other you know, and hand in hand with backup is, of course, security. You know, what are you going to do to make sure your stuff doesn't disappear when you get to to school? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I lamented when we started getting these MacBook Airs and even now the MacBook Pros with Retina, they're so thin that we have lost the Kensington security slots on these devices. Remember, there used to be that little yeah. slot where you could you could lock. And it took a couple of years, but finally now the lock manufacturers have come back and they have started developing locks that fit in the hinge of your computers. So you can actually get a lock that will secure a MacBook Air or a Retina MacBook Pro or, you know, a lock that doesn't have that specific secure, a, a laptop that doesn't have that specific security slot. How much are those? Oh, they're rel- you know sub thirty five bucks. Okay. I mean, it depends a little bit on the model that you get, but you know, in the realm of twenty five to thirty five bucks. I guess that's you know it. It seems so inconvenient to have to lock your computer to your desk. It it is. Um, I don't know. I, I guess is this the kind of thing that you would leave on your dorm room or in your in your dorm room and just kind of lock it when you get in for the day? Maybe. I mean, it depends on how many people have access. If you live in a private house and not many people are coming in and out, then you probably don't need to lock it when you're in a house. If you live in a shared dorm room, then maybe you need do need to lock it when it's when it's at your desk in a dorm room. But I can't tell you how many people and it depends on what you do and what your habits are. I can't tell you how many people I have seen working at the library who will leave their laptop sitting open on a desk in the library for, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes at a time. 
as you know, they yeah. walk off to go get a cup of coffee or go get lunch or go do whatever. I, I personally would never do that, but I certainly wouldn't do it without at least locking it to the to the desk. No, I wouldn't either. I but I think it also represents some some password security issues when you just leave your laptop open too. But well, let's talk about that. Um, you know, if you're going to go to college, whole disk encryption, absolutely. Yeah, File Vault 2, there's no need to buy anything else. We talked about this on our security show. Um, go ahead and enable File Vault 2. Once you enable it for the first time, and probably depending on the amount of data you have, will take a couple hours to go ahead and configure, but you can continue using your computer. Just turn it on before you go, or turn it on one night and let it encrypt and do its thing. And with that, you would also want to turn off automatic login so people can't just open your laptop and get in. And also in the security preference pane, you can actually put a little message in a bottle on the uh on your Mac laptop. When you open it up, it puts a message on the screen. I have it on my laptop. It says my name and my cell phone number and a few other bits of data. So if you leave it out somewhere and an honest person finds it, all they have to do is turn it on and they'll have a way to get a hold of you, even though they can't get through the lock screen. Yeah. And I also, go I, ahead. I also, a lot of times, you know, I haven't done it recently. I think I've got out of the habit because of this message in the bottle feature, but I used to also always just print out a little sticker with my name and phone number and just stick it on the bottom, which I probably should do again. And you can also disable or you should also enable um, a a security lock on your uh, screensaver and set it to lock after or set it to turn on after a few minutes. Yeah. You know, it's just one more thing that, you know, if you walk away or close your lid, at least they're going to have to to enter a password. And then at some point they're going to lose power. They're going to restart. And then, then that's when the whole disk encryption is going to kick in. Yeah. So. Uh, if, if it wasn't for the fact that there's crooks in a world, life would be so much easier, wouldn't it? It would. Um, things are a little bit easier now with the possibility of recovery because we, we are very familiar with find my iPhone. There is also find my Mac. Yeah. yeah turn it on. Turn it yeah, on definitely turn on find my Mac. Um, but just keep in mind that there's no GPS chip in your Mac. So the Find My Mac is, you know, limited to Wi-Fi and things like that. But that'll give you a little bit better idea of where it is. And it can also do things like, you know, wipe the hard drive when it comes back online or lock it down. Very useful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about accessories a little bit. So what kind of things do you need to bring with your Apple hardware to college? Well, one of the things that I would recommend that you still bring, and this may be a questionable recommendation, is I would suggest that you bring a printer. and Yeah, it, why not? It's just I remember that being such a problem when I was in college is that not many people had one or you always had to go find somebody who had one or you had to go to a lab to print something. And I would suggest at this point if you're going to do one, they're pretty cheap. You know, you can get one for, you know, usually less than 100 bucks or definitely less than 200 bucks. But go ahead and get one that's air print enabled so you can go ahead and print from all your iOS devices or you can print wirelessly. And you might want to consider picking up one that's multifunction so you can make a quick copy or something like that. I don't know that the faxing function is necessarily as important as it used to be, but sometimes it's nice to be able to make a quick copy of something. At my office, I have an HP 1102W, which is a wireless printer. And it's it's attached to it's just actually sitting in a cabinet in my office. It's not attached to anything. But uh, whenever I go uh, and do a trial out of town and I'm in a hotel room for a few days, I bring my printer, yeah. and it's just so useful to have it with you because you know if you're writing a brief or whatever, you need to get it printed out. It's it's really a pain to go find a someplace in a hotel. It would be the same for school. 
Yeah. And I, something I suggest you find the smallest one that you can and, yeah. and go with it. And something you can do now that we didn't really have in our day was was scanners. Yeah, that's true. And for the college student or the high school student, I'd probably go with one of the smaller ones. Yeah, I'd go with the ScanSnap 1100 or the 1300. Frankly, if I if I had my druthers, I'd do the 1300i because it's small enough you can stick it in a drawer when you're done with it, but it also has that feeder on it so you can you can put 10 pages in it and it'll zip through them for you. Yeah, and the 1100 is uber small. I mean, that can fit in the bottom of a backpack, but it also only does one page at a time, so you have to feed it through. Yeah. But better than nothing, I think. A wireless keyboard? Hmm. Yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know. Well, well, I think so, and I'll get more into that in the iOS section, but but here's here's my my call on that. And and part of this is from my personal experiences. You know, I have really struggled with with RSI, and I'll tell you when mine flared up more than at any other time in my life was when I was in college, when I was undergrad specifically, probably because by the time I was in law school, I had a little bit better handle on it. But when I was an undergrad is when my RSI flared up more than anything. And that was because I was doing all kinds of, you know, lazy, bad, ergonomically correct stuff. I had, you know, the keyboard was on the bed when I was living in the dorms and, you know, it was just not good. So if all you're taking is a laptop, which is what most people take to college, I would suggest go ahead and get a laptop, even if you don't use it all the time, but just something that you can set up at at wherever home is, whether it's the dorm or the apartment or whatever. Get a laptop riser that you can set up, a wireless keyboard, and a mouse, because I can't tell you how much just setting up a more ergonomically correct workstation has helped me. And that, like I said, that was when my RSI was at its worst. So if you can get your Laptop a little higher and get a wireless keyboard and mouse to to go ahead and, and use those. It'll make a world of difference. It won't take up much space. And now you can get one of these multifunction keyboards. Like my personal favorite, you turned me on to this, is I think it's the Logitech K60, yeah. which is the solar. Um, will allow you to use it with your iOS devices as well. So you can switch between devices. So you can use it with your Mac or if you want to take your iOS device to class and have a keyboard to type on, you can use it with that too. It's a K760. K760, that's right. Yeah. So what I'm using right now is we're recording the show. It's great. I could see that, but with a laptop, I mean, I don't use an external keyboard with my laptop very often. But when we talk about iOS, I definitely would recommend bringing a keyboard with you to school. But if so your laptop was your, was your only computer, could you see yourself at times setting it up more like a desktop? No. Okay, well. I could see sitting at a desk and typing on it, which I do all the time, but I'm not sure I'd I'd get the riser and do all that. Yeah. See, that's uncomfortable that's just me. for me. Yeah. So. Uh, utilities. Oh, can I add one more thing to the keyboard? Yeah. yeah. Um, if you are taking your laptop to class and doing things like that, uh, I have found I would get a keyboard protector. And these are... Um, they had to adjust them a little bit when they came out with the MacBook Airs because the profiles changed a little bit. But they're about twenty-five bucks. They're a, a, clean, a, a thin, clear piece of plastic, or you can get colorful ones if you want. That will kind of lay on top of your your keyboard and protect it. And I have just I can't. They'll they'll give you a little more protection. Number one, they'll soften your key taps a little bit, which is nice if you're typing in an environment with a whole bunch of other people. But it will give you a little more protection. So if you're sitting there sipping coffee, or your neighbor's sitting sipping coffee. And there's, you know, spills and things like that, because usually you're just sitting at a shared desk with a bunch of other students. Oh, I like I like the idea of having one more layer of protection. 
I hate those things. Okay. I, I, every time I try and use one, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I'll just leave it at that. It, do, it does uh, change the feel of the keyboard a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, but they do make them if you've got an app that like you're doing Final Cut or something. I know they make some of those layovers that, that have special commands on the keys, which could be useful, I guess. But I, I couldn't see myself using one of those on a daily basis. But hey, whatever. Uh, utilities? Yeah. Um, what do you think about antivirus? I, you know, we've talked about this on the show before. I, I don't use it. At some point, we probably will need it on the Mac. I don't think going to college is going to make any difference as to whether or not you use it. Well, that's kind of why I like, you know, the Climax IV, especially like the App Store version, because it doesn't install a lot of extra stuff. It's one of those things that you can download and run on demand. Yeah. And I just... I think there are a lot of files getting passed around in a in an education environment. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, that that's a good point. Well, at least with Clamex, you're not slowing down your computer all the time. Yeah, especially if you're running the App Store version. By its very nature, it can't install a bunch of that extra stuff. Yeah. So you can run it when you need to. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'll say yes, but I wouldn't use it very often. Okay. And Dropbox, we've already really talked about. That's the other, I think, key utility. It kind of holds everything together. It's funny how we're talking about Dropbox a lot and iCloud very little. Well, yeah. It is. But yeah. until you can put everything in iCloud. Although iCloud does serve some jobs for me very well. I mean, the, the current uh, field guide is being written in pages. I'm writing in pages. It's 30,000 words, and iCloud is... Got it on my phone, my iPad, my Mac, and it's very nice. Yeah. So what about, um, you know, entertainment and stuff like that? I remember when my first year, I didn't, I didn't have cable, and it was miserable when I was a freshman in college because there was no other, you know, the antennas were the old rabbit ears, and they were staticky, and there was, there was no Netflix, either CDs or streaming, you know, there was no online video because we were barely getting into, I mean, oh gosh, I think I had dial-up, but I think the college had some kind of high speed, but that was it. But now there's yeah. so many so more. you're dated. Oh, yeah, you're yeah, dated. yeah, yeah. So they, you get to school now and they've got decent internet. I mean, generally they do. Yeah. I so. mean, now there's so many more options. I mean, you can, you can, we did that whole show on cutting the cable, but you really can use your Mac as a, as a media center. I mean, I don't even know, do you need to go to college with a, with a TV or something like that anymore? No, I can't see that. My, my kids don't watch TV. They watch their iPads. You know, the Netflix app gets a lot of use in our house. Yeah. And, and um, you can get network shows off the network websites or Hulu or, or whatever. Yeah. I think that's getting easier. And, you know, uh, the the college kids aren't so hung up on the old the old way TV's done anyway. I don't know. I don't think I'd bring a TV to school, but I never I didn't have a TV in school to begin with. You studied all the time. <sighs> no, nah, well not not all the time. Actually in law school I did have a TV and I had a friend who didn't get a TV and he came over to my house almost every day and watched TV and slept on the couch. So so maybe you should have just given your friend the TV and told him to go leave you alone. No way. He was awesome. He was fun. He made he made his law school fun. There you go. And that and that and that is an accomplishment. It was during the uh first desert storm, you know, yeah. war and yeah. he was an engineer, so he was just obsessed with those 
pictures of those bombs going through chimneys. And it was a nice background noise for me to work to and wait for Star Trek to come on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now you're just messing with me. Um, No, really. I I told you Star Trek got me through law school. Yeah. Okay. Next generation. Every night, six o'clock with my uh, top ramen. You'd think you'd know a little more. I don't have your encyclopedic knowledge, I will admit. Okay. Um, the other thing I like is I like those alarm clock speaker docks. I, I think there's no reason to take a big booming stereo system off to college now. So I understand wanting some speakers and wanting some music. And I think those those little speaker docks are nice, compact, portable, and, and solve two problems. I put my phone next to my bed with a just a, 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 a um, lightning adapter in it. And the speaker on the phone wakes me up just fine. Well, yeah, but college students especially like having. I mean, don't you like listening to music? Yeah, but I have other other solutions for that. Yeah, you right. use your jam box or something like that. But I mean, the idea is if you're in a small living space, you want to minimize the stuff that you take. I've moved on, by the way. You know, because I used to use that that app that measured the vibrations and woke me up uh, based on when I was ready to wake up. I forget the name of the app now, but uh, because I I got a new Fitbit. I destroyed my old one and the new Fitbit has that feature where it can wake you up with vibration. So I wrap the little thing around my wrist at night and it wakes me up in the morning with vibration and I don't wake up my wife. There you go. Isn't that weird? I think that's kind of (laughs) weird. Um, let's move on to talk about finances. Um, and this kind of crosses the barrier a little bit between gear and, um, and software. Yeah. But we're going to move into software in a minute, so this is kind of a, a good entry point. But um, you said PayPal. I guess that's good because you know you got to send people money and get money back. But well, it's a it's a great way to share money. You can you know you can I think they call it bump or I forget what they what the name is, but you can actually PayPal small amounts of money to your friends right in the same room through the PayPal app. So when you get the pizza, you don't have to become the deadbeat that doesn't pay. Yeah, but aren't there transaction fees? I guess if if you're doing it for certain things, they waive the transaction fees. I'd have to look into it. You know, I, I, to be honest, I've never actually done that because usually I just give people cash. But I, being in college, it's hard. Yeah. Another one is Uber. I think you should have Uber. I mean, if you're at college and you're doing it right, you're not just studying. You're having fun. Once in a while, you might just need a cab, right? Oh, okay. Uber. I was wondering what Uber was. Uber's the thing that'll hail a cab for you. Yeah, and it, you know you can you can charge up your account. So if you're inebriated, uh, you can pay for it off your phone, and they can get you back where you belong. Um, and then you know it is important to keep on top of finances. And Mint is a good tool, pretty simple for doing that. You can use it on the Mac or on iOS. And um, Quicken Express is another kind of easy one that will will key in and download your accounts, but. I believe in, in, especially for the college crowd, keeping it simple, but also keeping an eye on things. You want to be able to budget and track and see exactly where your money's going and how much you're spending on stuff. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about a sponsor. Yeah. Our exclusive sponsor for this episode are our good friends over at Smile. And I want to talk a little bit about PDF Pen because PDF Pen is an application that I use every single day. In fact, PDF Pen is one of the reasons why I switched to a Mac in the office because I was so sick and tired of using PDF applications on the PC that I said, you know what, this would be so much simpler if I just had PDF Pen. So I'm going to go switch to a Mac so that I can use PDF Pen for everything. And PDF Pen uh, will be your PDF reader of choice, but it does so much more. Um, You can take a PDF, you can add pages, you can rearrange pages, and you may say, well, I can do that in preview, but it's so much easier on PDF Pen. 
but you can do more. You can annotate your PDFs. If you need to redact something from a PDF, which is something that I do regularly in my job, you can do that with PDF Pen. You can find and redact. So you can redact information from PDF Pen if you think that that's going to appear multiple times in the document. And it not only just redacts the top layer, but it redacts the lower metadata layer of it as well. With PDF, you can make annotations to your PDF. And something that I use all the time is I use this to sign PDF documents. We have e-filing now. And I really don't like it when people sign my name with that S slash my name. I, though That is not allowed in my office, although I've seen some attorneys that allow their assistants to do that. So if I'm not in the office and I need to sign a document before it can be e-filed, I use PDF pen to do that. They can send me the document. I'll sign it, send it back, and then it can be e-filed and uploaded. I can make easy, quick changes to PDF, find a typo in that document. I can edit it and change it before I send it back, and boom, it's done. I can add dates, change signed contracts, highlight things, annotate things, circle this, what is this, draw arrows, anything that I want to do. And most of that goodness that I can do with PDF Pen on my Mac, I can also do on my iPhone or my iPad, which is awesome because I now don't even have to be in the office. Someone sends me a PDF, I can pull it up on my phone, sign it because all the information that I have on PDF Pen for my Mac syncs with my share, my saved information with PDF pen on my iOS devices, and then email it right back to them. David and I just did that recently. I had a document that I needed to send off to David. I email it to him, and I knew that was the best way to get it back from him because he could just pull out his phone, sign it, and send it back to me. Boom. Done. Yeah, and that's exactly how I did it. PDF pen is awesome software. If you work with PDFs at all, you can upgrade to PDF pen pro, and it will give you even more features like allowing you to create PDF forms that can be customized and sent back to you or sucking down websites or bookmarking. If you create these massive PDF documents that you then need to be able to organize, check out PDF Pen Pro. So you can find more information about PDF Pen over at Smile's website at smilesoftware.com and be sure you let them know that we sent you. Let's talk a little bit about iOS apps for, uh, for college and high school. Okay. The, you know, the first category I, I think we should cover is word processing because so much of what you do in school is writing. And, you know, you've got the basics like um, pages, you know, which is a true word processor. But in a lot of cases, I think it's overkill. I really am a fan of these simple text editors and iOS has got some crazy ones. Have you seen editorial, by the way? I haven't played with it myself, but I've seen all your reviews of editorial. Oh man! Uh, like Federico's got an awesome review of editorial. I mean, we're, I should clarify we're we're uh, we're recording this about a, a week or so early from when you get it. I saw you wrote about it. I saw Gabe at Mac Drifter wrote about it. So uh, that's oh, on my list crazy. of things to play with this weekend. It's well, it's a it's a text editor with like Automator built in for text. It, you can actually build your own little scripts in it. You don't even have to know how to program anything. It's it's plug and play, but it also lets you custom program Python in it if you want to go nuts. So I can't it, wait to see what Terpster does with this. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's really just a great, I mean, it's already happening. I mean, Gabe over at Mac Drifter is, is already starting to put up posts. In fact, I think we're going to go back and do a show on the state of iOS text editing in not too distant future. But uh, I, that's, that's, that's an aside. I mean, really you can take, take any text editor and when you're sitting in class or sitting in the library with your iPad or your iPhone, um, and start getting real work done. You, know, you just have to write words. So much of it is just about getting the text in. After you know that formatting and all the other nonsense you do with turning in papers can be done at your Mac. But a lot of the the hard work can happen at an iOS app. 
And I, I, I believe this because I've been living this. I've written several books this way where I do so much of the work in, in simple text. And then at later it gets formatted better. My wife is actually going back to school now, you know, cause the kids are getting older and we're number one, we're, you know, she wants to have something to do. Number two, we got to pay for college, you know? So we're, you know, she's taking some classes and, and one of them is, is a, is all on the iPad. They have an app that you use and you turn in your work on the iPad, but she likes to oh, write wow. on the Mac. She likes to write on the Mac. So we, uh, we got her going with Byword and she writes a lot of the stuff on the Mac on Byword and it's got that nice iCloud sync. And then she goes to Byword on her iPad and blocks and copies and pastes. So, uh, I do not underestimate the use of a simple text editor when you're in school. There's other options though, like Google documents as well. I think we're going to talk about that more in relation to the Mac, but the Google drive app allows you to access that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Because there, there, you know, there still really is no Microsoft Word or anything like that for for iOS. I mean, I know there is if you subscribe to Office three sixty five, but that tends to be, you know, kind of the the standby app for, um, you know, what what people are using. And yeah, I I think there's so many better options. Well, th there's apps. I mean, let's. I don't. Oh wanna... yeah, there are. There are. There are Office apps. Um, my current favorite, I think, is um, Office Squared. Okay. Do you use any of the office apps? You know, I, I haven't used them regularly for some time, so I don't want to state which one I prefer because I just don't use them enough. It, it really, for me, is when I write on the iPad, it's either in pages or a simple text editor. Yeah. And Google I, that's, Docs. That's is, my preference, it, too. As much as there are good things about Google Docs, I'm going to save this for later. We'll talk about Google Docs later in, in relation to the Mac, but that that is an option as well. And then there's the thing about sitting in class taking notes, and this is the one that, I really envy uh, current students over because when I was a, you know, in school, you had a piece of paper and a pencil. And uh, actually I was kind of at the bleeding edge of this, Katie. I had a radio shack. I think it was called a W two. I should look it up. In fact, I put a picture of a, at Max Barkey. I found it one day and because I, I loved this thing so much. It was, it was a keyboard with an LCD display and the pixel resolution was something like 32 by 144. I mean, 32 pixels by 144 pixels. All it could do is write text. Maybe this is where I fell in love with text. And it had um, had a port on the back of it. I don't remember which port it was, but it was one of the ancient, big, fat, ugly computer terminal ports. And you'd plug it in and download the text onto your computer. So I'd sit in class and take notes. I was doing Omni Outliner before there was an Omni Outliner with text. And I'd write down and I'd, you know, kind of move the cursor up and fill it in. And the thing cost me a couple hundred bucks at the time, which wasn't that much money compared to how much computers cost at the time. But um, really, I just really went down a long tangent, didn't I? That's okay. I was reminiscing. Is that senility? I think it might be. Well, it might have been a good solution at the time, but there are so many better solutions yeah, now. Yeah, it would suck now. It would suck now. So like notability is one I would start with. That's That seems to be my favorite, and it's the one that I keep going back to. I mean, there's so many note-taking apps, and I guess my favorite is well, – I prefer – I won't say my favorite. My favorite method of taking notes on the iPad, if I can, is I prefer to type just because I type so much faster than I write, and my handwriting is atrocious, especially on the iPad. But yeah. I like notability because it then gives me that option to, if I want to annotate or if I need to draw something or diagram something out – 
I can do that side by side with my typed note, which is why I like Notability. And the killer feature in Notability is the ability to record the lecture. Yeah, make sure you have permission first. Yeah, you know, I wonder, is that a big deal in colleges? It would seem to me that... It is. It is a big deal. The teachers would just expect that people are recording. No, I've seen I've seen some college professors like address it either in class or in their syllabus and be like, you may not without permission or whatever. Wow. I would if I was teaching, I'd say, hey, everybody just record it as whatever it takes. If you have to, you know, if you need to listen to it three or four times. Uh, maybe that's just me being. Uh, well, you know, people are so worried about something they say coming back against them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so Notability does give you that function, though. And so you could record it, and it indexes the recording to when you are writing the specific notes down. So if you type, you know, the Civil War and it's recording, when you tap that later, it'll go back and play the recording uh, of what the teacher was saying at the point you wrote the word Civil War. It's it's very useful. An alternative to this is the LiveScribe pin, which is a pin that does that which is kind of like amazing in itself. And I used to be a big fan. I used to use one all the time, but it's been replaced in my life by Notability. I don't have to worry about, you know, rebooting my pin. I'll just use Notability. Now, do you have a preferred stylus? I've I've tried a couple. I've tried the Cosmonaut, but it's a little big for me. And then I've just got like a little jot that, you know, somebody gave me, I think, that, that came with a bundle of something. But do you have a preferred stylus that you use on the iPad? Yeah, I use the Cosmonaut when I'm in trial. Like, cause like there's a couple apps, this is a whole nother show, but there's a couple apps that make it very easy to present evidence during trial. And you just want to highlight and circle real big. And I think the, the Cosmonaut's great for that. And then when I'm annotating PDFs or writing, I use a jot, not touch. They have, they have a couple, they have the one that is um, just the standard. It's got the little disc on the end. So you can see exactly where the tip of the pen is and it allows you to be very accurate. And then the newer one um, has a Bluetooth radio in it, and it, it's pressure sensitive, which is kind of amazing. Um, the Jotnot makes a little noise when you tap it on the screen. You know, it's kind of, there's an audible noise. Uh, but I, I use it all the time. I keep it in my bag, and I, I primarily use it for annotating PDFs. But if I was in school and I was writing, I could see myself using it quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, other note-taking apps would be Omni Outliner. Um, yeah, that's a good one. It's a great place to take notes. And then if you're the left side brain person, uh, I would look at MindNode or iThoughts HD. I think both of those are excellent um, mind mapping applications. Uh, and then organization is kind of the second half of that because you take all these notes and then what are you going to do about them? And, you know, I'm a huge Evernote user. I throw everything in Evernote and I don't remember if Evernote was around when I was in college. I don't think it was, but if it was, I would have used it. So anything that anybody gives me, if it's information or reference, I'm going to scan it and I'm going to put it in Evernote in a corresponding notebook and then Evernote's going to index it and be able to search it. But I think Evernote would be a great place to put kind of all of those handouts and all of those other information that, that people give you. I don't think Evernote is a great place to take notes because their their text and their um, text editing functionality is, is not great. It's not a good word processor, but Evernote could be a depository for, for, um, for notes, you know, after you take them with, with your LiveScribe or, um, with Notability, they both have export options to Evernote. So you could use that kind of as long-term storage of your notes and then they could, they could end up being searchable, but I kind of like Evernote for everything else. Yeah. One of the, go ahead. I could see myself using like a, where generally I really like the small text file idea, you know, like NVL 
and, you know, write room or something like that, where I'd have a bunch of little text files. For school, I could see having a big outline or a big note for one class where you had everything in one place. It was in one file and searchable and all that stuff. I think I'd probably have a different workflow than I have in my day job if I was in school. Well, when I was in school, my workflow was I had a, I took notes in outline format. And unfortunately I did Microsoft Word because there was not a better product available to me at the time. And I packed that outline up religiously. And then I just, you know, I had my outline for this particular class and every day in class I would, I would add to it. Yeah. See, I could do that with Omni Outliner and Omni Outliner on the Mac has the ability to record as well. Yeah, totally. You, I, but you, but you I would never, it. yeah, I would never do that with Evernote though. Cause Evernote yeah. just doesn't have that great outlining functionality, but yeah. I would use, I would use Evernote and I would throw an Evernote, the course pack, the syllabus and all the other stuff that the teacher gave me so that I knew that I had that all in one place. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more I, I would think, I guess it would depend on the professor. If it was somebody who I really wanted to listen to it again, I would open notability at the beginning of class and just have it recording in the background and then just jump over to it and put major, you know, signposting when we go through major subjects, but I would actually outline in Omni Outliner. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And for me, I would also want an easy way to put all of this supplemental material that I got into Evernote or whatever my management system of choice is, because I don't like holding on to paper. Yeah. yeah. And it's depending on the scanner that I've got, I'm probably not, unless it was a special event, going to carry my scanner around to class. It's probably going to be based in my dorm room or based in my apartment. So for quick things, I my current favorite of the scanner apps, and I know there's some new ones uh, potentially on the horizon out there, but my current favorite is Scanner Pro. Yeah, and it's a good I, app. Yeah, and I like that because it can do the page detection and all of that stuff. And it will export right into Evernote. So I can be sitting in class or presumably I could have been sitting in class, take a picture of something and, you know, export it right to Evernote. One of the nice things about Scanner Pro is it remembers your last upload location. So if I'm saving everything to a certain folder on Dropbox, it just goes there. I don't have to navigate to it. I like that. Yeah. Um, another app that I don't have any personal experience with, but comes very highly recommended for organizing. And it's specifically designed for college and high school students. It's uh, $3. It's called iStudies Pro, and it's available at iStudentPro.com. And it's specifically designed for managing all of your assignments that are due. So what you do is at the beginning of the course semester, you kind of set up all your classes, you set up all your due dates, you set up all of your assignments, you plug them all into this app, and uh, you know it will you know generate reminders and due dates and all of the stuff that you need to do. Interesting. You know, I was a big flashcard person in school. I, I loved them. It it got me through. It, it was just a great way for me to learn. The process of making them helped and the process of working with them helped. And I would like throw them all over the bed. I'd stick them to the walls. And I love flashcards. But anyway, um, there's now a lot of digital equivalents for flashcards on iOS. And I think that's really worth checking out. Evernote has a product called Peak. That is a, um, in essence, a flashcard program. Um, there's one called Flashcard Deluxe that looked pretty good to me. It's three bucks. I'll put it in the show notes where you can create your own flashcards. It, it was very much like the experience I had in school where you'd literally write it out. But in this case, you'd type it and then it goes through and it figures out which ones you're missing the most and gives you those more. And then there's some services that do 
they're free, most of them, but you pay a subscription or you buy um, the flashcards for a particular subject, and then they feed those up through their app on the iOS device, which... I know that might work. I I know in law school I did I used to buy pre-manufactured flashcards because there was just so much to cover and there were some really good ones. Yeah, I I, I think flashcards is a great use for an iOS device, especially an iPhone. Although you yeah. can't use the peak on an iPhone, but it's just the right size. Yeah. What other apps do you need on your iOS device, Katie? Um, there are a couple of utility apps that I recommend for college students, mainly because I. I know of uh, people's frustrations with their college students when when they go over their data plans or data usages, especially in our shared data environment. Um, and one that I use and like is called Dataman Pro. And it's one of these apps that you install on your iPhone. And they've got a light version, too, that, that works well. But you install it on your iPhone or your iPad or whatever. And it will monitor your data usage. And I know you can probably do this with your carrier's app, but it's a lot easier and it's a lot more elegant and it will tell you some additional information and it will say, for example, okay, you plug in your, how much data you get and you plug in your billing cycle and it will say, okay, well, you're in the green because today is day 14 of your billing cycle and you've only used 20% of your data. So it will project based on your usage patterns that you're likely going to be okay for the month. But if all of a sudden, and then it will turn orange and yellow and red and, you know, danger, danger, danger. But if you are using more data than you thought that you would, it will also help you discover why. So it will show you where you're using your data if you allow it access to the GPS, and it will show you what apps are using your data. So if maybe, oh my goodness, Downcast has used, uh, you know, 500 megabytes worth of worth of data, you can say, oh, well, I probably need to go in there and change the settings so that it only downloads podcasts when I'm on Wi-Fi and not on 3G because... I don't want to use all that data downloading podcasts all over the place. That's a really clever app. I'm going to get it myself. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd go ahead and opt for the pro one because it will give you that additional information. The light one will just kind of tell you this is where you are and be careful. Yeah. yeah. Find my iPhone, find my iPad. Uh, just set it up. Mac. Just yeah, set just, it up. That's useful. Um, you know, uh, my kids spend a lot of time on Skype with their friends. I guess that's just, natural uh facetime skype whatever it is for communications you're going to need that yeah this is this is a little less important now i think than it was i mean back when i was in college we had long distance yeah <laughs> you'd have to call after nine because the rates were lower or whatever it was and you have to punch in all these codes what was it Ten, ten, four, one. i don't remember what it was you remember all those codes that you could punch in no i don't remember but oh. I, I do know I, i've got someone in my house that's about ready for college and i can i don't need to have a a tip show to tell her to put Skype or FaceTime on because she's already got that handled quite well. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, but I do think that's the way uh, people are communicating. It's really interesting to me to see if I had time to go on a college campus and see what apps and, and communication techniques people are using, because obviously that's kind of the future, the people that are in college now. And it'd be very interesting to see their trends. Like one of the w questions I have is, how many people in college are using Microsoft Office? Yeah, we're going to talk about some alternatives to Office in our in our next section. Yeah, um, uh, the other thing I'd bring in terms of iOS is some hardware. I would recommend getting some kind of battery uh, that you can carry. I would get just one of those nice big batteries you can put in your bag. It doesn't need to be a case battery. Just get a battery that you could plug into an iPad or an iPhone if you're in the middle of class and you start running low on juice. Yeah. And th those things are all over the place on the internet. I, I would get one 
that just has a USB port on it. And then you can use the cable for lightning or the old 30 pin or whatever your device is. Yeah, I like the And Monoprice makes a nice one. It's like 28 bucks and it's 500 milliamps. I mean, I don't think yeah. you can beat that. Um, and that's where I, and this is where I would talk about the Bluetooth keyboard. You know, I, I kind of poo-pooed it in the dorm room, but I think it would be really useful in the classroom. Well, or the and library then or the park or wherever you want to go work. And then I'm going to say, if you're going to get one, go ahead and get one of those ones that can switch and you can use it in your dorm room if you decide to. Yeah, Logitech K760, you really can't go wrong. And then they've got another one, I don't remember the number, that doesn't have the solar panel on it, and uh, but it has the same functionality. It's just a little bit smaller if you need it smaller, but have batteries. Yeah. Or well, I think it may be rechargeable. It uh, uses micro USB, but then you got to have yeah. one more thing to charge. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about uh, Smile's other great product, Text Expander. And this is a, an ad spot, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a big realization this week. I um, I, I was making a snippet, and I was thinking, man, I think I make a snippet almost every day, and it's really true because when I'm doing emails, you know, because I'm running a lot of th- different things, I'm running a publishing business, and I'm doing my day job, and I'm trying to do a podcast and all this other stuff. So I get a lot of emails that require uh, form responses or very similar responses. And, and I get a lot, lot, lot of emails. So if I sat there and typed out a response to these things every time, I, I would type the same phrase multiple times a day and even more times per week, per month, per year. So every time I see something that I think makes sense for a snippet, I create a snippet. And someone asked on Twitter, they said, well, how do you keep track of them all? Well, you just go into text expander. They have a little search function. And for instance, um, when somebody uses up their PDF download things, I can send them another one. And one of the things I always say is, Hey, I always give them 21 attempts and I hope they get lucky. So if I just type, get lucky, this whole snippet, hits. And I got thinking more about how am I using text expander? You know, what has it really done for me? So I took a look between my iMac and my MacBook pro, which are both, um, the installations are a year old on both of them. They came with mountain lion. I had, I had fired off 75,000 snippets in the last year. And according to, uh, the statistics in the application, I have saved 150 hours at 80 words per minute, 150 hours. That does not include the stats for all the snippets I fire off on my iOS device. That's just the max. And so I have saved in the last 365 days, roughly six days of my life using text expander. You know, maybe you should go on vacation. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be using those on vacation too. I mean, the, the funny thing is where I'm going on vacation. I really love the Max Sparky stuff and I keep up with it while I'm gone. I'm going to be reading a book about Unix on my vacation. I'm such a weirdo, but the, um, but text expander is an app that we love to talk about. And we see how much we love it, but putting it into days of my life saved really sent home for me, how much this app is, is useful for me. And, and you know what? It cost me $35 text expander on the max, $35 text expander touch on iOS is $5. I mean, so you can do a lot with this app and it does a lot more than just email responses and email signatures. You can fill in boilerplate language. Um, I, a lot of my day job stuff is a text expander snippet. Even I, you know, I write discovery with text expander. Um, you can assist you with filling out forms. It can fix your worst typos for you automatically. 
You can insert HTML and CSS. You can, you can put snippets in that have the current date and time. Like every time I get off the phone at work with somebody on any communication, I want to keep a record of, I hit a snippet and it puts in the date and time for me. And then I can just type in what they said underneath. Um, it allows me to do special accented words. I did a whole series at Max Sparky. And by the way, um, if you haven't checked it out, I've got a page at Max Sparky that's nothing but text expander snippets. And it's getting pretty big now. I think I've got about seven or eight different libraries in there. And I'm continuing to grow it. I've got another one I'm working on now. One of them is um, foreign thanks. So like, if someone sends me a nice email from Germany, I can say thank you in German back to them uh, using text expander. Uh, so anyway, there's just so much you can do with this application. It syncs via Dropbox, uh, and it saved six days of my life. I don't know what better testament I can give it. And it's made by really smart people who really want to make the best text expansion snippet on any platform. And I think they succeed. So so go check out Text Expander from Smile. Uh, you get the app for the Mac directly from smilesoftware.com. Don't buy it from the Mac App Store because it's too awesome for the App Store. And uh, go check out the Text Expander Touch on the iOS App Store. It's got some really great new features. Version 2.0 is out. I even made a video about it. So uh, please go check them out. Let them know you heard about it from us. And save six days of your life. Just go buy Text Expander. There you go. Thanks, Smile, for sponsoring our show and for making really cool software. Oh, by the way, we should mention App Camp for Girls is, I think, this week, right? Yeah. yeah. So good luck to Jean and, and all the girls. I know they'll do great. Yeah, she's really done something special with that. She was in a New Yorker. Oh, so famous. Uh, uh, I mean, that's that's it. That's all you have to say. She's in the New Yorker. Drop the mic. Done. Anyway. Mac apps. Mac in apps. college. Yeah. So word processing, you just got to get Microsoft Office. You have to, right? I mean, that's it. You have to use Microsoft Office on a college campus. That's how it yeah, was when exactly. I was in college. Real, did Is that true? Yes, you had to. It was a requirement. Okay. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mainly a rule follower, but sometimes I ignore stupid rules and sometimes I half ignore stupid rules. And the requirement was you had to have a PC with Microsoft office. Not me. Mac, right, baby. Mac, right. So I, I, I have, I have followed the rule. You can imagine which half I followed. It's, you know, back in my day, uh, Microsoft word was actually a pretty good app. <laughs> it was, I, I, you know, I, I think we diss it too much, uh, but I mean, the, Microsoft Word was really, I think, a very good app. The problem I feel like is at some point they just started adding so much that it became overwhelming. That's my complaint with it. It, it feels like a, a rocket ship console. It doesn't feel like a word processor. Well, the complaint that I get from so many college students is the cost. It is so expensive. Yeah. And so then they immediately say, well, do you know where I can get a copy for free? Or can I get a copy from my friends? Or can I go do something else nefarious? And my answer is yes. I know you where you can get a copy for free of software that will be compatible with Microsoft Office. And that is at openoffice.org. Yeah. Is where I usually send people. I've never spent much time using OpenOffice. Have you really worked in it? A little bit. Um, I've downloaded it. I've used it. It's it's not my favorite. It's not as polished as it needs to be. But if cost is a factor and if you need Microsoft Office compatibility, it works. It really does work. See, and, and then another option is Google Docs, which I think a lot of college students are using. Right. I mean, the collaboration stuff would be great, especially if you're like doing a joint project. You know, I, I hated those joint projects in college. Yeah, I just ended up doing them because everybody got partnered with a slacker. 
I'm pretty sure you would just do them anyway, Katie. Yeah. Your idea is stupid. I'm doing my idea. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, anyway, uh, so, but Google Docs, I think would be great for that. Although I still think Google Docs is wonky, especially for writing. I mean, I've, I've written a book in Google Docs, but the cursor sometimes doesn't even line up in the right place. And... Oh, cut, copy, and paste still gets me every time. Yeah. So there's a lot about it that, that, you know, leaves a lot to be desired, but for collaboration, you can't really beat it. And like the spreadsheet feature, I use that all the time. We do. We have, we have a big master Mac power user spreadsheet in Google docs. And I don't know any other way we could keep track of our shows and our sponsors and all of that other stuff other than Google docs. Yeah. Well, any other way that wouldn't involve us having to, you know, share. Are you in the spreadsheet? Can you close the spreadsheet? Did you change the spreadsheet? Yeah. And that's just too much. And, and even like the, some of the books I've written with other authors, we have a Google spreadsheet where we keep track of areas and who's doing what. And it's just, it's very useful. I I think Google spreadsheets is more useful to me than Google docs because Google docs just makes me kind of crazy every time I have to write in it. Um, then if I was in school, though, I would definitely have a copy of iWork. I mean, you're turning in papers and pages does a, a fantastic job of that. And frankly, I use numbers and I, and all this stuff syncs. This is a, a place where iCloud, I think, really shines is with the iWork suite. I've never had a problem syncing stuff in there and it just works. Yeah, it's pretty cheap. I mean, for 30 bucks, you can get all three pieces of the iWork suite or you can just buy them as you need them. I mean, first you buy pages, and then maybe if you have a presentation, you buy Keynote, and then some people, Numbers is the last one that they buy. You know, I I got to have tea with a listener, Joel Anderson, recently. Joel's a professor of philosophy in the Netherlands, and he happened to be in Southern California. So he met me at the legendary Pete's Coffee across the street from my work. <laughs> and uh, It's legendary about- because it's across the street from your work? Because I, he says, is this the place where you do your OmniFocus review? And I said, why, oh, yes. Yes, yes okay. it is. Gotcha. But the, um, so Joel's a great guy. We we um, talked a lot longer than we planned on. And his wife was like looking at her watch and like, you got to get rid of this this weird nerd so we can go have fun. But it was, it was a lot of fun. And we didn't talk about anything technology. But when I told him we were doing the show, he says, the, you know, the one thing he would really recommend for academics or, or students would be this app called Sente, S-E-N-T-E. And it's an academic reference manager. And I checked it out. I'd never heard of it before. This looks really useful if you're doing serious writing in school. So go check it out. I mean, I don't, I think it's one of these things where you could like dig deeply and spend an hour talking about everything it does, but it looks like it's got really great cloud sync. It's got an iPad app too. Um, It's got reference handles for annotation and note taking. If I was going to school, I would give this a very serious look. S E N T E six, and we will uh, we put the, the um the link in the download in the uh, show notes. Okay. Uh, another one that I would definitely be interested in is Scrivener or a Scrivener alternative like Ulysses. Um, there are some great writing apps out there. I mean, for writing college papers, both of those apps are really great. Ulysses just had a new version three out, and I really like the way it looks. Um. Uh, what I'm looking for but from both Scrivener and Ulysses, though, is a really good iPad experience as well, a synced iPad experience for them. And neither one of them have a really good one yet. They both have ways to do it, but it's not quite there. Okay. Um, so those are more for, for long-term writing, and we've got other stuff. But what about just kind of organization of, of all this stuff? 
I, I still like Evernote. We already talked about that. But there's some other stuff besides Evernote. Yeah, I think Evernote is really a great tool for going to school. I mean, I'd almost get a paid account. I, I guess I guess it just depends. I, if I ran into the limitations that required a paid account, I'd get one. Yeah. Now, there's some I, good stuff that the paid account gets you because you can get you password protection on iOS device. It gets you searching of PDF files, which is huge if you don't have another way to OCR PDF files. Um, PDF pen is what I used to OCR PDF files that aren't already OCR'd, but you can OCR them, I guess, and then put them in Evernote. Um, and then it you gets know, you priority search and some other, you know, bigger, bigger upload limits. Let's come back to life. The ultimate, you know, the original uh, bucket app for the Mac, Yojimbo. Yojimbo. Yeah, that's true. That's worth they, checking out. Yeah, and they've got it. I haven't played with it yet. I've got some articles marked on I want to read, and maybe I'll download and check it out. The um, But Yojimbo is out. It has a syncing solution. It's $3 a month. Uh, they do it through a service. And, I, you know, I just want to look into it deeper. But I... There's a lot of the things I don't like about Evernote. I love about Yojimbo, but you know the the thing is Evernote is everywhere, and that's a really that's a really great plus. And yep, we talked about yep. I think on our tagging show. Yeah, Yep. It's a great it's a great app to manage a large number of PDFs. I could see being in school and using that. I don't think it's that expensive either. It's like iTunes for PDFs. Um, and then there's all this task management because, you know, college students have lots of stuff to do. There is your beloved OmniFocus, which is I'm a heavy OmniFocus user. I know you love uh, OmniFocus. It's the king of all past management, but it might be overkill for some college students. Yeah, I don't know. It depends. I think it depends on what you're doing and where you're at. I mean, I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. When I was in school, my task management list was my napkin. I mean, in all seriousness, every morning I would have breakfast and I would write three or four things on my napkin and stick it in my pocket. And at the end of the day, I'd pull it out of my pocket and hopefully cross them all off. But yeah. life was simple enough for me that that's all I really needed. I mean, you don't need to write down, go to class. You're going to go to class, you know, write, you know, write half of a report or whatever you're going to do. A three or four list, you know, item list would work. So, so that opens up a whole lot of options for you today in today's world. There are some amazing really simple task management apps for the iPhone and the iPad. There's um, some web-based stuff. I mean, if you don't need the power of something like OmniFocus, there's there's a lot out there. Well, and I would say try reminders first and foremost. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, why, that's a great point. Why buy something until you know that you're going to need to pay the money for something else? Because reminders is great. It's got the Siri integration. Um, you know, your tasks will show up in reminders on your Mac. They'll show up in reminders on your iPad. They'll sync via iCloud. You, uh, you can get into the web-based uh, iCloud.com account to see them. Yeah, and then um, you can create, you know, different – you can share reminders if you need to share reminders with, with roommates or, you know, have a shared roommate shopping list or whatever. Or, you know, so you can have a shared reminders list or you can just, you know, have reminders for yourself. I, I would say start with reminders and then if that's not cutting it for you – Go with a higher end solution. Start. I really, I really like reminders. I, I wrote an article for MacWorld on it for the list type stuff that doesn't really fit in OmniFocus for me, and I still use use it all the time. I'm I'm looking at it right now. I've got a packing list for my vacation. It's reminders. I'm yeah, ready. I and I love the Siri integration because I pick up the last eggs out of the fridge. I just tell Siri add eggs to my shopping list. Boom. Yeah, boom. it's that simple. I have grocery lists. I, I have too many stores I go to, Katie. So I've got 
grocery list, Home Depot list. <laughs> you know, they just go on. Uh, Amazon, Amazon it, Prime solves that problem. Oh, does it? Yeah, yes. I guess it would. I guess it would. Well, so there you go. Um, uh, so there's quite a few apps out there that you could use uh, on your Mac to get through school. And if you've got other apps that you've used that we haven't covered in this episode, um, shoot us a, a response on Twitter and we'll um, maybe we'll retweet, we, we tweet them. I can speak. Yeah. Retweet them. Maybe we'll add them to feedback. We'll get there. But speaking of feedback, we've got quite a bit of feedback. Do we have time to go over some of it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I don't want to stop talking about geeky stuff, Katie. This is too fun for me. I mean, we haven't met our mandatory hour and a half yet. We haven't? Okay. I didn't set a timer. So let's <laughs> definitely do more then. Yeah. So um, you've got quite a bit of feedback about Bratwurst. <laughs> I did. You know, because we did that um, show 150. We had some downtime. And we put in the after dark and thanks everybody for listening to that. I didn't think anybody would pay attention to the after dark, but if you uh, haven't listened to the after dark, go listen to the after dark. That was funny. So I, I talked about, you know, I was shucking and jiving and talking about uh, how to make bratwurst because I do have a pretty good recipe and several people wrote me in, uh, first confirming my love of Weber. Uh, it is a cult. It's kind of like Weber is the apple of barbecues in terms of everybody in it feels like they're special. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and we love our Weber grills, you know, of course, charcoal only, no, no gas. And so I had several people affirming my use of Weber. Then I had a couple of people saying that, no, I, I'm not using a good enough one. I need to go up. There's one called the Komodo and one called the green egg. And I'm like, no, I like my Weber, but apparently there's quite a few people talking about that. And who else wrote in that, uh, about barbecues, Robert wrote, wrote in and, uh, he said that, uh, he had a degree. What is he? He makes the brat in the pressure cooker mm. and then he grills it and he says they're even better that way. So I'm going to have to check that out. Okay. Are we doing a cooking show now? I think I, I just, I, I guess we could. I just listened to um, Roderick on the line. They were doing a cooking show too. So I guess that's appropriate. Yeah. Oh, and my one bit of feedback from the after dark is it turns out that my monitor that blew up during recording of show 150 is under yeah. warranty. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, 17 days. 17 days left on your warranty? 17 days left on my warranty. Wow. So what are they going to give you a new 27 uh, inch or what are they going to do? They're still working on it. They're trying to repair it. It's been a week. They've been holding it for a week, trying to repair it. And I'm going to give them some time, but about mid next week is when I'm going to start pushing guys what's to Tell them do. you're not happy. Tell them you need it for your I'm, job. I'm not happy. Do yeah. you Do you know who I am? I'm Katie Floyd. I'm a Mac Power user. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I have a bat with. So get me my damn monitor back. No, I'm, I, do, I do not do that. But. Wow, you're getting salty. Yeah. All right. Um, moving on. Um, iOS and Evernote tips. Um, I'd mentioned that one of my Evernote tips is when I want to clip um, just the text of an article in Evernote. Sometimes I'll look for a little link that says, you know, print this page and it'll give you just the print view. Or I'll add it to my Instapaper queue and clip it to Evernote from there so I don't get all the other stuff. Um, but, uh, Woody wrote in and said, if you want to clip just the main article from a busy web page you're reading in Safari or Safari for iOS, all you need to do is click the gray reader button in the Safari URL bar. And it, you know, trims away all the ads. It does all the stuff that the reader functionality does, but at the end, it gives you an option to email that to somebody. And so everybody who has an Evernote account also has an Evernote email address, and you can email that to yourself using your Evernote email address. Brilliant. Yeah, clever. Um, we had several people write in. I, on one of the shows, talked about the 
the my airport thing where I go through and update my mailboxes before I get on the plane. And several people wrote in to say, hey, in your mail preferences, you can tell it to push to more mailboxes, mailboxes than just your inbox. And I knew that, but the, the problem I have is my um, one of my email accounts is not push, it's fetch. So I need to actually still go and fetch them. But yes, you're right. If you go into the settings for mail, if you didn't know this, uh, go into the push settings and you can set it to push to whatever mailboxes you want. And that works with iCloud, Exchange, Gmail, most of the big ones. Um, more about Evernote and reading it later. Don wrote that he recently switched from Instapaper to Pocket. And the big reason that he did, I had a lot of people say they recently switched from Instapaper to Pocket. So I need to spend more time checking out Pocket. But one of the big reasons he did was because Pocket works better with his Evernote workflow. Because with Instapaper, really what you're doing is you're just sending it to your main Instapaper notebook. But with Pocket, what you can do is you can specifically tell it what notebook you want to save it to therefore saving yourself a step of then later having to organize it in Evernote, which is nice. Yeah, I need to check out Pocket. See, I, I didn't know that because I've really only started using Evernote more aggressively since I've started this Pocket experiment. So I just assumed on Instapaper you could do the same. No, and I guess I think, that's not true. Ba basically, I think what Instapaper is doing is it's just kind of sending it to that Evernote email address. Yeah. So what I'm in doing... The back end. Yeah. Like, like the listener, I'm sending tons of stuff to different mailboxes from uh from uh pocket hmm. another email we got from pocket was from bob uh saying look it's just so much more cross-platform and we didn't really make that point on the show but pocket you know really works well on android and windows and linux and just about any other thing you can do so it's a huge advantage for anyone who's not just on a you know mac and ios platform Others just said, we got a lot of email in favor of Pocket. And then, you know, but we also got an email saying, well, how are they going to make money and what's going to happen? I don't know. But at this point, I'm using Pocket. Instapaper did update their website since we did that show. And I don't Not think some Instapaper. Beta. I don't think Instapaper is done. I think they're going to come back fighting. But for now, Pocket's the one that works for me. And the big deciding factor for me is the if this, then that support. Oh. Well, you know, another, since we're just all on a pocket love fest right now, Ben wrote in and told us that a key feature of pocket that convinced him to leave Instapaper was you have the ability to save a publicly hosted PDF file from pocket and then send it to somebody. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. That's kind of cool. Oh. Um, I've talked in about transporter in the past about how I have the offsite photo storage and a couple people wrote me asking how I do that. I don't just copy the entire aperture library into the um into the the drive the transporter drive um i have a folder called pictures and i, I it, just because it's kind of a belt and suspenders thing it's also kind of a bandwidth thing but i export when i finish a library you know i have a workflow with my pictures and when we have a family event i boil it down to the few i love i i geotag them i face tag them i do the whole thing i go nuts and then i export them and I, and I save them. I usually send the pictures in the big format off to family and friends through a Dropbox shared link. But I also put that export into this folder that's on Transporter. And then they're backed up that way. And it only sends over the most recent ones every time. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I should have explained that, but I, I didn't. So now I have. Um, and then we had a lot of people write in and say, what is this piece of rubber that David keeps talking about? Because we called yeah. it a wedge and we called it a I screwed it's, that up. Yeah. yeah. It's called the stump. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a big it's, chunk of rubber with a with a wedge in it, but it's called it's, the stump. It's great. I, I think it's the best thing to hold up my iPad. I I really love. It. In fact, I'm going on a trip and I'm bringing my stump. That just yeah. sounds weird. <laughs> Katie, you're just I don't know what's happening. To I'm you today. not anyway. Moving on. Okay, I think that's a good place to end the show. <laughs> I just, I just flummoxed you. You can find more information about all the stuff that we talked about, including possibly a link to this wedge stump thingy um, over at our website at MacPowerUsers.com or at the 5x5 website at 5x5.tv slash MPU slash 152 with lovingly crafted show notes courtesy of MacPowerUser listener extraordinaire, JT. Uh, You can also contact us with feedback at MacPowerUsers.com or on Twitter. We are at MacPowerUsers on both app.net and Twitter. Uh, I am at Max Sparky. Katie is at Katie Floyd. Also go check out katiefloyd.media. I wasn't kidding. She's really doing some great stuff on her blog lately. Well, thank you. And of course you can find all of David's stuff over at maxsparky.com. And uh, you can contact us over um, if you want to send us email, it'll come to both of us. Feedback at macpowerusers.com is the email address to send stuff to. And both David and I will get it. And maybe one of us will reply. You never know. You know, I said that already, right? I know you said that already, but, you know, I'm just making sure people listen. Okay. Because um, I don't sometimes. Th- apparently. <laughs> well, thanks, Smile, for sponsoring the show. Uh, exclusive sponsor today. Great products. Save six days of your next year. Go get yourself Text Expander. And uh, we'll see you next week with a new show. Everybody, aloha. Aloha, David. Oh,